You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. To 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Today I want to put a cap on the end of our, our theme for this year. Uh, we had been in 21 days of prayer and we finished that up last week. And I want to put a cap on this whole aspect of four and asking these two questions because I want to kind of at the end of this launch where we're going and give you an idea of what our next series is going to be starting February the 7th. Uh, but before we can do that, I need to put a cap on this. And I just want to remind you, we're going to be asking two questions all year long. Two simple questions. It's what the shirts are for when they say for Cleveland. The two questions are simply this. What do I want to be known for? And what am I actually known for? What do I want to be known for? And then taking a hard look and saying, okay, what am I actually known for? And this year at Crossroads, we want people to know that we are for God, we are for Cleveland, and we are for you. And that's kind of the theme. But I thought, that sounds great. But if you're like me, when somebody asks me a question over and over and over again, at some point I would like for them to do this amazing thing called answer the question. I can remember going through school and my teachers would teach me different things. Uh, I was an average student at best. And so I honestly wasn't as consumed with the questions. I was real good at studying the answers to the question. But I think sometimes we ask a question in church and then we don't ever really answer the question. And so today in putting a cap, and you're going to see this theme throughout the whole year, I would like to answer that first question. I can't answer for you what you're actually known for. But I think I can answer for you out of God's word as crossroads a biblical concept of what we want to be known for. Now, before I answer that question in God's word, I want to make sure you understand something. I'm going to give you a corporate answer. What does that mean? That means as a corporate body, this is what we want to be known for. But the amazing part about this corporate answer is it's very centered on an individual effort. Like in order for us to corporately be known with what I'm about to share with you, it takes every person saying, this is something I want to be known for. See, it, it's moving from the premarital counseling stuff that I do sometimes. It's moving from the me to the we mentality. Like, you move in life, and as you get married, you go from, like, the me mentality to all of a sudden now it's a we mentality. And your marriage is going to be known by what you both bring. And I make this statement, always bring your best self to the dance. And that's what I want to ask. So with that being said, we're going to dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, you'll want to take some notes as we go through this. If you have a Bible, if you've purchased a Bible, I do want to encourage you with something. Uh, somebody's probably told you, like, that is God's word and you need to protect it and just don't ever do anything with it. Which sounds great, but the reality is, is the greatest aspect of God's word is when you've owned it and it's become you. Write in it, underline in it, highlight in it, put your notes in it as you go through. So with that being said, let's jump right in. When we're going to answer the question, what is it that we want to be known for? I think 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I really saw something amazing and I wanted to share it with you guys. It says this, working together with him, then we appeal to you to not receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I will listen to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. 
Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, let's just hit a pause button. We're going to break this down. We're going to go through these first 13 verses. It's going to happen very rapidly. But before we can dive into verse 1 of chapter 6, you would do yourself a favor to see what it's talking about at the end of chapter 5. When it's talking about this working together, this is not the concept of us as a church working together. It's the concept of us allowing Christ to help us become more righteous. In fact, the last part of chapter 5, he launches this new concept of a ministry of reconciliation. In other words, because of Christ, we can reconcile, we can make right our relationship with God. And he has these amazing words at the end of chapter 5 where he calls us to be ambassadors of Christ. In other words, that we will go and represent to other people what they believe in Christ and the things in which we are called to do. So in other words, let's put it in everyday English. If I watched your life, if I followed your life, if I watched the way you work, the way that you treat people, whether you're an employer or an employee, whether you're a husband, whether you're wife, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're a student, whether you're a teenager, whether you're on a ball team, whether you're in the band. If I watched your life and I used your life as an example, would it make people be more attracted to Christ? Or would it make people go, you know what? I mean, if that's what loving Jesus is all about, to be honest with you, I don't really need that. See, that's what he's talking about at the end of chapter 5. And so when he launches into chapter 6, he has these words where he's saying, and now is the time. Now is the time. He actually quotes Isaiah chapter 49 verse 8, talking about a favorable day is coming. And then Paul says to these Corinth people, the church in Corinth, he says, and now is that day. In other words, it is time. And then he gives them to me, if there was one phrase that I said as a church, yeah, I'd like to be known for this. An amazing scripture. Can I read it? It's the very next part, verse 3. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Can I read it again? We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Now, to help you understand this, this isn't an idea of living a perfect life. This isn't like, oh, I'm going to be so perfect that when people see me, the reality is, is a lot of people were falling away from this aspect of who Jesus was, not because they were not living a perfect life, because they were striving so hard for perfection, they'd lost the aspect of grace. And it was becoming very judgmental, very hypocritical, and very non-contagious or tasteful for people to follow after Christ. Corinth's church, which is their biggest issue, it's the reason why in Corinth uh, you have in the first Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, you also have this aspect of the bodies made up of many parts. There's a lot of concepts as far as body, and it talks about different things as far as your body and the way you use your body and the aspect of love. Because the biggest issue with Corinth, the city, and this church that we have this letter written to, is they struggled with the way they would use their bodies for self-pleasure. It was a very sexually perverted area. And so he's trying to address this with these people to let them know that, you know what, you're to be an ambassador, you're to lead by example. 
And he says, you know what? One of the things that we want to do is to not be a stumbling block for anybody or for anybody to find fault in our ministry. And then he lists some things. But listen to what he says. Verse 4. But servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Now that word commend, I actually looked it up because I wanted to make sure I understood exactly what it was talking about. And it's saying basically we want to present ourselves in this area that would bring worth. We want to allow God to help us move forward. Now, I need you to hang with me because if you're not careful, you're going to start zoning out right here thinking, oh, here comes one of these legalistic, like old school, like, okay, we're going to leave here and try to be perfect. I've tried that before. It leaves me frustrated and upset. That's not where we're going today. But what I am telling you is there's an ownership concept to what you want to be known for that's directly related to how you're living your life. And he says, we're going to commit ourselves, and he gives you four areas. He gives you four areas or four titles, and then he lists underneath each one of those areas some different subtitles that kind of prove what he's talking about. I'm not going to spend time on all of these. I'm going to read through the first three very quickly. You can underline it in your Bible if you would like. But here's the areas. He says, ourselves every way. And he uses these four areas. Listen to this. He says, by great endurance. One of the ways that they were trying to show people that they were with Christ is by the endurance in which they lived. And then he gives you some examples. In their affliction, in their hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. Like these are things they were experiencing, but they tried to have endurance in those things so that people would see something more. The second area, he says, is by purity, verse 6. And then he lists the areas in which they try to have purity in. In knowledge, in patience, in kindness, the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. I do think it's ironic. I'll chase one of my rabbits real quick. I do think it's amazingly ironic because one of the areas that some people will pervert so quickly is the aspect of who the Holy Spirit is and what his role is in your life and my life. And they're saying, you know what, with purity... We want to do that in a right way. The Holy Spirit is extremely real. He does gift people in extremely amazing ways. But the Holy Spirit's role in God's word is very simple. He was sent to be your helper. He's the helper. He's the one that allows you to point people back to Christ and allows you to help know the difference between right and wrong and having a spirit of discernment. But then he keeps going. And he puts two of them together. He says, by truthful speech and the power of God. And then he lists these things that are really more about truthful speech. He says, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. And all of these are talking about the way that they would speak about things. But then right there, if you, if you have a good translation, you're going to see a period. And you're going to see a capital W that launches into this next aspect of the power of God. And it says, we. And I want you to listen to these words. We are treated as imposters and yet are true. As unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold we live. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. I have heard many podcasts, messages, different concepts 
where people will use these scriptures and they will use it to talk about an attitude. And they'll say, see there, as humans, you have a choice. That sounds really, really good. There's only one issue. That's not what this biblical concept is talking about. This biblical concept is not talking about you making a choice. This biblical concept is not about, well, if you had joy, then you'd be able to overcome. That's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is that the power of God has a way to move in your life to allow you, though you may be looked at as one thing, you can be for something else. I'll kind of let the cat out of the bag early before we dive into it. You can allow the way that people treat you to define your life. Or you can allow God to define despite the way people treat you. Like if we were to be brutally honest today, most of you sit in a situation out of pure D response or reaction to the way somebody treated you. You allowed the way that they treated you to define where you found your worth, what you thought you was going to do next, and what was next in your life. You may have had a very poor situation. It may have been a parent, a step-parent, an uncle, an aunt. It may have been somebody that was a teacher or a mentor. It may have been a friend. It may have been a first boyfriend or girlfriend. Whatever it may be, you allowed somebody that treated you less than what you are, and you bought into the fact that the way they treated you means that's who you have to be. I want to be real careful with this, but I get very angry. I was going to try to make that sound a lot more, you know, polite, but I mean, like, there's other words that come to my mind, but I'm not going to use that on this stage. Like, I get extremely angry when I see women and men that are in a relationship, especially when there's physical abuse. And you say, why in the world would somebody stay in that situation? You want me to tell you why? Because at some point in their life, they've let the way they've been treated define who they are. Rather than allowing God to define who he's called them to be. And we can talk about that in an abusive situation and we can real quickly go, oh man, that's kind of tough. But it's no different for you and I. We allow the way the world speaks to us and the way other people try to define us and the way they treat us. And we allow their treatment of us to define what we're going to be for rather than allow who God is and the work in our life to define what we're actually for and who we can be. I'll give you a great example. In God's word, it talks about the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. But yet most churches are plateaued or declining and very defeated. Why? Because they've listened to what everybody says rather than listening to who God's called them to be. They've gotten distracted. They're waiting for the next book or study to come out. That woohoo, yeah, this will really revive everybody. We need a revival. We need a revival. We need a revival. Sometimes it's not a revival. Because to revive something means it has to have life to begin with. Some places need a burial. Some people need to be like, okay, this tombstone's here. We're going to remember it. Wow, there were some great days. But you know what? It's dead. We buried it. Now, let's start a new life. 
You know, you guys shake your head and nod and you're smiling. You're like, yeah, man, that's, I hear you, pastor. That's good. Yeah, that's, I've seen that. And you think I'm talking about a, a church gathering. But I'm actually talking about the church, which is his people. And I'm talking about you and me. We're trying to grab the paddles out to start the heart again. And the reality is, is it's time for you to bury this thing. And say, God, I'm ready to start anew. You say, well, what will happen if I do that? Can I give you, if, if you're taking notes, I want you to underline some words. Or if you have a notes on your phone, you may want to write this in. He gives you a very distinct concept of the way people may treat you. But then he talks about the work of God. And he uses the word yet. See, he says, you know what, this is how people are going to treat you, but me being God, yet you can have this. Can I just read them for you? I wrote them out. It's very, very simple. He says, imposters. People will treat you as imposters. What's an imposter? Somebody that's faking it. Somebody that's not real. Somebody that's scamming. Here's the one I love. Well, I'd love to go to that church. You know, it's, it's full of a bunch of hypocrites. What? No, it's full of a bunch of people that may mess up that aren't perfect, but being flawed doesn't make you a hypocrite. Being flawed makes you human. Oh, you guys, you just a bunch of fakers. You're imposters. Then what do he say? But yet, they know the truth. He says, you know, some people are going to treat you as unknown. Do I really matter? What's my significance? Where am I at? Does anybody even notice and listen to what God's word says. He says, as unknown and yet well known. See, you see what God's, when he talks about the power of God? He's saying, here's how people treat you. But when God gets involved, here's how you actually are. Here's how I define you. He keeps going. He says, as dying, yet we live. As punished. Yet not killed. I love that one. You know what that means? You may beat on me. I may have punishment. And I may have scars. But there'll never be a day. That I'm not in the process of living. Even in my death. I'll be joining Christ in heaven. To live forever. I think this is the concept where Paul says. What are you going to do with a dead man? When he talks about the aspect of being crucified with Christ. And he basically gives the concept of what are you going to do. Like can you imagine what it would look like if literally we had gotten thick enough skin. To go do what God's calling us to do. Understanding there's going to be people that say stuff. And you say you know what. I don't have to fight all these battles. But Mickey do you hear what they're saying about you. Yeah. Sure do. What are you going to do about it. You know, truth fights for itself. I don't have to do anything. All I got to do is make sure the power of God's being made new in me so that I will allow him to change my circumstances. And then he gets to the ones that are my favorite. He said, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor whew, yet making many rich. As having nothing, 
But by golly, I possess everything. You want to know what we want to be known for? Those scriptures right there. Oh, but man, I look at your life. You ain't got nothing, bro. You, you have no, I got everything. It's just that our degree of determining whether there is something is off. You know, the scripture, what does it, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but yet loses his own soul? You know, we, scrote, we quote that, we talk about that, we're like, yeah, man, Jesus is enough. But then we go and chase the whirlwind trying to get more stuff. Don't mishear me. There's nothing wrong with stuff. I like stuff. I like a lot of stuff. But it's never my motive to anything that I do. Because I realize there are some things in my life that you can't buy. And I found out the stuff that you can't buy is really the stuff worth having the most. Like the stuff I can just write a check for. The stuff I can just go down and take out a loan. The stuff I can leverage. Yeah, man, I'd love to have that for the rest of my life. I'm going to give you $500 every month. That's awesome. Like that stuff. A lot of times when I've gotten that stuff, there's nothing wrong with it. But a lot of times when I've gotten that stuff, I've had this amazing thing the next morning. Maybe you've heard of it. Buyer's remorse. But you know the things that really matter are the things that I wake up and I don't go, man, geez, I don't ever want that. You say, Mickey, why you got five kids? I just explained why. Because the first one, I was like, man, this is awesome. Lord, if you're willing, I'd like to have another one. And another one. And another one. And another one. And another one couple of miscarriages in there and when we got to the end you know what Amy and I it was hilarious it was an emotional day I know you think man you got a large family you got five kids I bet you were glad when you guys were done it was one of the most emotional days of my life because in the famous theologian Kenny Chesney I realized where the good stuff is And I'm going to tell you, the good stuff ain't something you can just go buy. But the question that I have for you is very simple. Who's governing your life? The people and the way they're treating you? Or a God that can turn around and change the way people treat you into something so much more? The God that has the ability to look at somebody and say, man, I, like you should be like really upset. Like you should be like, this should be terrible. I don't know how you're doing this. Because God's work in me is bigger than my circumstances. You guys have heard me say this before if you've been here longer than a month. It boils down to one simple concept, right? Are your circumstances defining you or is your God defining your circumstances? Or the way that people treat you, has it got you in shackles and chains? Listen to me. I, I, I want you to catch this. There have been some people in your life that are no longer in your life. But the way that they treated you 
They still have you in bondage because you think you're less than because of what they did to you. And let me tell you something. You can't start talking about what you're for until you get rid of the demons and the skeletons in the closet. And I don't know what it was. I don't know who it was. I don't know what the circumstance may be. It may have been a career that you were chasing and you're like, man, I got these degrees and this job is great and everything's wonderful. And all of a sudden a pandemic hit and you walked in and they said, hey, man, you're unemployed. You're laid off. Sorry, you got to find a different job. And you're going, oh, my goodness, like this is all I've ever done. This is all, like this is where my identity is. This is how I was going to provide. Like I don't know what to do next. Listen to me. God will always provide a way. When he's the one making the way. In Proverbs, he talks about lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps, your path. You say, well, Mickey, that, that sounds good, so... Can you kind of give me a quick synopsis? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Here, here's what we want to be known for. At Crossroads Community Church, I'm going to kind of reiterate, and then I'm going to tell you the aha moment for me. We want to put no obstacles in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. In other words, we want to live a life that just says, hey, we're here to be life-giving. We're not here. To, everybody has the right to go on the journey. We're going to talk about Christ. We're going to talk about God's Word. That's going to be the foundation of everything we do. But no matter what you say, do, or don't do, that doesn't define what we are doing because we are not putting our worth based on what people are saying. We're putting our worth based on the tree and the fruit that's hanging on that tree and what God's saying about us. And one of the ways we're going to do that is because we're not going to let the way people treat us. We may be treated as imposters, but yet we're going to be true. We may be looked at as unknown, and yet we're going to be well-known. We may be looked at as though we're dying, but behold, we're going to live. And yet we may be punished, we're not going to be killed. We may be sorrowful, but we'll always rejoice. We may be poor, but yet we'll be, many rich. We'll be making many people rich. And though people may think, I got nothing, by God, I got everything. And i tell you something. I don't know of anybody that doesn't want to be a part of that. You say, Mickey, prove it. What's welling up in you right now? I mean, that's a little bit of sweat and a handkerchief away from being Pentecostal right there. I mean, that's, that's almost like, woo, I, I got to slow down here a minute. Woo, man, I, <laughs> what just happened? Pastor Sam's been working on me. But then in the last two verses, he gives them the answer of how this happens. Can I read it? He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our, talking about Paul, our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but... You are restricted in your own affections. Can I put that in Mickey Clark language? You don't love well. You have affection for the wrong things. You're not restricted by God's word and what he's telling you. You're restricted by your own actions and what you're choosing to love. You think that you can only love a certain amount of things. You, you have a restricted 
closed off heart. Because here's what you love. You love the things that bring you pleasure. You love the things that you benefit from. You love the things that you have some sort of, a, of an acknowledgement with. You love all the fleshly things. You love wrong. And then he gives them one phrase. And it's where I titled this whole message. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts. Widen your hearts. You ever heard somebody that says, man, I tell you what, I'd really, I'd love to do that, but I just don't know if I got any more. Boy, Mickey, I really feel God's calling me to do, but you know, man, my schedule, woo, man. Listen to me. Widen your heart. Don't let the way people treated you. Don't let the things that you've heard to dictate your limit. Let God determine when you've had enough. Let God determine when, okay, yeah, okay, that's enough. You're doing everything that you can do to love people and love me well. But if God's not saying, whoa, widen your heart. See, the way that Paul was able to communicate with these guys that's so amazing is these same people he was writing this letter to are the same people that he was actually trying to help them to understand what true love was and try to help what it means. And here's the way he did it. Not by dogging them. Not by telling them how bad they are. But by loving them well. Despite when they didn't love him back. See, the hardest part about this scenario is that a lot of the things that we want to do in our lives, we, we kind of compartmentalized our life, right? God, I'm willing to do this with all of these people. Like, I will, I will do whatever you want me to do. But let me tell you, that one son of a gun over here that mistreated me, that I've got all these pains, I've got all these struggles, I've got all those memories. Like, like, God, I'll do whatever you want me to as long as you don't ask me to go to him. As long as you don't ask me to go to her. God, I'll reconcile anything. But that's too painful. I heard a guy say one time, unforgiveness is like poison. If you sip on it long enough, it'll kill you. I'm not telling you to leave here today and call somebody. I'm not saying leave here today and shoot somebody a text or write them an email. What I am saying is, can you make a decision today? To say, God, I, I want to be known for blank. And the only way I can do that is got to let go of some of these things that have mistreated me. And God, the only way I can do that is that fourth concept. Lord, I, I need a work from you. Here's the way I wrote it in my notes, and then I'm done. Don't let the way people treat you define what you want to be known for. Allow God to add the yet.
If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.